0: I'm going to read from God's Word together. If you want to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, I'm going to read from 1 Chronicles 14, um, and then a few verses in chapter 15 as well. Um, So 1 Chronicles 14, beginning at verse 8, reading through to verse 17. David defeats the Philistines. This is God's Word. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel... They went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, I will deliver them into your hands. So David and his men went up to Baalperazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Balperazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave gave orders to burn them in the fire. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David inquired of God again, and God answered him, Do not go directly after them, but circle around them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezir. So David's fame spread throughout every land. And the Lord made all the nations fear him. And then in 1 Chronicles 15... Verses 11 to 15. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar the priests, and Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Amimadab the Levites. He said to them, You're the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with with the word of the Lord. Amen. We thank God for his word. AI stands for artificial intelligence. AI is a field of computer science focused on creating systems that can perform tasks that typically require human intelligence. That definition, by the way, of, of uh, what artificial intelligence is came from an artificial intelligence app called ChatGPT. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, fascinating. Um, by the way, welcome to 2024. Artificial intelligence telling us what artificial intelligence is. That's 2024. ChatGPT actually is a What's called a generative artificial intelligence. Um, And it told me what that actually means. Here's another definition for you Um, Generative artificial intelligence refers to a type of artificial intelligence that has the ability, imagine, to create original content or outputs such as images, text, music, or even videos. Unlike other types of artificial intelligence that are designed to complete specific tasks. Generative artificial intelligence is programmed to learn and create on its own, using algorithms and neural networks to generate new and unique outputs based on patterns and data it has learned from existing content. I'm not sure how familiar you are with artificial intelligence. I've been doing a little bit of reading and research, listening to some podcasts about this. But artificial intelligence is surging forward in our ever-increasing, ever-increasingly technological age. We've actually been using AI technology for a long time. If If you've been using Amazon to buy things, any Amazon users, Gmail, GPS systems in your car, um, or Netflix, believe it or not, it's all, uh, they all use artificial uh, intelligence. Do you ever wonder how um, some of the technology that you use knows what you're really into? Flashes things up, trying to get your attention. But as uh, as technology advances, Um, The use of this kind of generative artificial intelligence is going to become increasingly widespread and common. Now, bear with me, you're probably thinking, where is this going? This kind of stuff is becoming increasingly common in everyday life. And I believe it's something that we should actually be speaking about um, in church. We need to be aware of advances like this in technology. Because the really scary thing about all of this is that many people are beginning to inquire of artificial intelligence for information, for content creation, for advice in life and in work, and in decision-making, believe it or not. Lots of people are turning to artificial intelligence whenever they have big decisions to make. It's fascinating. Um, I wanted a big question this week for artificial intelligence. I was playing about with this all week. Um, Some of the stuff I was asking my little artificial intelligence buddy and the answers I was getting back were just mind-blowing, to be really honest. So I wanted a really big question, one that for a human being would require deep thoughtfulness and consideration. And so I put this to ChatGPT, my artificial intelligence friend. I put this question, right? I said, I'm a minister in a church. What should I do if somebody tries to attack me when I'm preaching on a Sunday morning? (laughs) It's a real risk, you know. (laughs) Artificial intelligence gave me this response. You ready for it? Stuart, if someone attempts to attack you while you're preaching on a Sunday morning, your safety is top priority. Here's what you should do. Number one, stay calm. Try to remain composed and avoid escalating the situation further. Number two, signal for help. If possible, discreetly signal for assist. discreetly, signal for assistance um, from other church staff or members to intervene and defuse the situation. Number three, protect yourself. If the attacker is physically threatening you, take steps to protect yourself by creating distance or seeking refuge behind a sturdy object. Number four, call for emergency assistance. If the situation escalates, call 999. Number five, follow your church security protocols. Okay, follow the established procedures. And then number six, address the congregation. That's if I'm still on my feet after all of that. (laughs) After the situation has been resolved, address the congregation and assure them of their safety in the situation, and provide any necessary guidance or updates. Remember, Stuart, your well-being is paramount in such situations. Wow, artificial intelligence told me all of that. Imagine people are inquiring of technology on a daily basis. This kind of stuff is becoming more and more and more common, not questions like that, necessarily. But inquiring of AI technology. Today's message is this it's always good to inquire of the Lord. It's always good to inquire of the Lord. In a world of technological advancements, information at our fingertips. Everything we could ever want to find out online, it's always good to inquire of the Lord. In fact, it's essential to always inquire of the Lord. To inquire means to ask questions, to request information. It means to look to someone for answers, to seek a response And so it's good and it's right for us as the people of God to always inquire of the Lord, to ask of Him, to go and seek Him, to ask questions of the God that we love and worship. We're allowed to do that, you know. We're to seek the Lord always. We're to seek His heart, His will, and His way for our lives. We're to listen for His voice, for His input, into our everyday living. Now straight up before we get into today's scripture from 1 Chronicles, for us today, for us as the people of God, for us who follow Jesus, this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, and this side of the ascension of King Jesus, we have the ability to inquire of the Lord because Hebrews 4 tells us that we have a great high priest that Jesus has gone before us, that we have one who empathizes with us in our weakness. And so the Bible tells us that we can and we should approach the throne of grace with great boldness, with confidence, so that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And so we can inquire of the Lord because the lines of inquiry are always wide open. Jesus has made the way for us to always inquire of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles chapter 14, there are two moments when King David inquires of the Lord. And it's really interesting, and we're left in no doubt that what the chronicler is telling us, he wants us to see the stark contrast. Remember Saul, the king before David? The Bible says that Saul did not inquire of the Lord, Saul didn't turn to God. Saul did not inquire of the Lord. And so in, in 1 Chronicles 14, we've got these two moments that leave us. in no doubt that David's heart is going to be different. The leadership and the kingship of David are going to be marked by this inquiring of the Lord. Saul did not inquire of the Lord. Or even worse, we read that Saul, if you remember that moment, Saul inquired of a medium, um, the witch of Endor, as she became known. Saul went to other sources, evil sources, to inquire, to get answers about situations that he was facing. And so we're told here that David inquires of the Lord. The first instance that we read of is found in verses 9 to 10, if you're following along, in chapter 14. We see that the Philistines are in full force. They're coming at the people of God. They hear that David is the new king over Israel. And it's interesting because the Philistines had been in a place of of power over Israel at this point. And they hear that David is the new king. And we read in these verses that they come in full force against him. All right, they bring their armies towards David and the people. They want to finish the reign of David before it even begins. And David is confronted in this moment in 1 Chronicles 14 with, with a raiding army. Okay, they've come to raid God's people. And this new monarchy is is being built up. We've been looking at this over the last number of weeks. David's monarchy is coming together. God is at work. God is moving among the people of God. The people are being drawn back in to what God is doing and around David. And then in this moment, there's a full force attack on God's people. You know that when things are going well, the enemy loves the attack. David's kingdom is coming together. Things are happening. God is at work. And the enemy has eyes on the people of God. He does that. Would you join me in praying protection over our church family? We believe God is at work in this place. We believe God is at work here and in Central and Belfast. God is at work. We need to pray for protection because the enemy of God would love to come in, would love to disrupt, to cause disunity, disruption, to turn your hearts and your minds and your attention away from what God wants for your life. This raid is coming towards David. What does David do in this moment? Look at verse 9 and 10. The Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. David's first movement against an enemy attack, David inquired of God and he says, shall I go and attack the Philistines? So God, what should I do? What am I supposed to do, Lord? Should I go and attack them? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hands. Go, I will deliver them into your hands. So why do we inquire of the Lord? Well, here's reason number one. We inquire of the Lord because we're totally dependent on Him. We're totally dependent upon our God. At any moment in life, it might feel like we're being raided. Have you ever felt that way? Like your life is being raided by the enemy or by some situation or circumstance. It feels like you're under attack. Illness can strike us or it can strike a loved one at any moment. Illness can come. Relationships within our families can break down and it can happen in an instant. Something might be said or done and suddenly our family starts to feel like it's breaking apart. Or our workplace that was once a place of great motivation can become a place of utter despair, a place that you don't wanna go into again on a Monday morning because something has happened. You feel like you're being raided. You feel like your life is under threat. Our mental health can feel like it's being raided, imposing thoughts with really, really dark intentions. We can all feel like we're under attack, like we're being raided. It might feel at times like the ground beneath us is giving way. Maybe you're here this morning, and it feels like the ground underneath your feet is, being, is disintegrating, like your, your life is falling apart. You're hanging on by a thread, and you're here this morning. Last Sunday evening, during our evening service, if you were here over in the, the coffee bar, um, Dan was leading our thinking, and as we thought about practicing the way of Jesus and the practice, the spiritual discipline of solitude. And the desperate need that we all have in a busy world to get away with God. To be in the quiet and the stillness with Him. And as Dan talked about that, he introduced us to Psalm 46. And we spent the last 10 minutes, awkward as it was, in quiet reflection. In the stillness, on our own, in that space, reading through, reflecting on the words of Psalm 46. And as I did that, I got to verses 2 and 3 of psalm 46 and the thought struck me god spoke to me and i it was like in my heart i knew that the psalmist in that moment he wants us to know that there will be times in our lives when our worst nightmare will come true and so the psalmist writes though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea Though its waters roam and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I've often read that. I've read Psalm 46 hundreds of times. I've often read that and thought, you know, that's really, that's really like flowery language. That's like really dramatic imagery that the the psalmist has given us. But what does that actually mean? And on Sunday night, I felt God saying to me, what the psalmist is saying is this. There will be moments when your worst nightmare comes true. Where it feels like the mountains are quaking, where it feels like you're in a storm and the waves are raging all around you, it'll feel like mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. It feels like the earth is giving way. Nightmare strikes. But then stronger than the nightmare. Stronger than the nightmare is the assurance of Psalm 46 that God is our refuge. God is our strength. What is he? He is an ever-present help in times of trouble, in times of great need. Therefore, what, what, what does the psalmist say? Therefore, we will not, nobody knows it, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. Even if the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Even if my life feels like it's crumbling all around me, we will not fear. We will not fear. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble. You see, there is a holy God in his holy place. That's what the psalmist tells us. It will not fall, and our God will not fail. Our God will not fail. The Lord Almighty is with us, the psalmist says. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so the psalmist concludes, we can be still. We can be still. And we can know that he is God. Maybe that's for you this morning. You see, we can inquire and we ought to inquire of the Lord because we totally depend on him if the mountains are going to fall into the heart of the sea, if our worst nightmare is going to come to pass, we need to know that we can depend on God. We can depend upon Him. So what are you facing in your life right now? I wonder what season of the soul you're currently in. And then my question for you is this, are you inquiring of the Lord? Are you turning to the Lord? are you inquiring of him through whatever it is that you're going through? Do not back away from that. Don't back away from inquiring of the Lord. Don't stop asking of him. Don't stop seeking him. Seek him and seek him again. Ask of him and ask of him again. Keep on inquiring of the Lord. Don't live independently from God. He is with you, the God of Jacob is your fortress. So David inquires of the Lord. And why does David do this? David knows that he totally depends on God. And God honors David's dependence and he gives him victory over the Philistines. God is with him. But what's really interesting, just a few moments later, a few verses later in verse 13, we read that once more the Philistines raid the valley again. Ah, oh, they're so irritating, aren't they? They just come back again. They're a real, real like annoying pest, the Philistines, the people of God. So God gives David victory, and then they come again. Once again, once again, they come at the people of God. What does David do this second time? Verse 14, so David inquired of God again, and God answered him. Again, God grants David victory over the Philistines, and the reminder is given in those verses that God has gone out in front of you, David, to strike the Philistine army. That's been a bit of a theme for us over these last few weeks that we love and we serve and we worship a God who goes out in front of us. Did you do that this week? Did you seek God first? Remember last week we talked about not getting to the end of the week and then kind of looking back and going, oh my goodness. Lord, were you with me? We begin our week. We look forward at the days that are to come and we say, Lord, you go before me. The battle belongs to the Lord. And in this moment, God reminds David that I've gone before you. I am already in front of you, David. The battle belongs to the Lord. But here's the thing, experiencing victory once could have made David really complacent. I thought about this during the week. I thought David could have become really complacent. You know, that kind of thought, ah, sure, God, you've granted this victory before. I know how this goes. I know you're with me. I know you'll just defeat the enemy uh, who is in front of me. I don't need to go back and inquire of you, Lord. But David doesn't do that. David is wise enough to not become complacent. And David again inquires of the Lord. So the heart of David is, you know, here we go again, Lord. Here they come again. Here comes my enemy again. What now, God? What's it gonna be this time? What what are we gonna do, God? What should we do? And so the, the second big truth is this. Why do we inquire of the Lord? We inquire of the Lord because we can become so easily complacent we can really easily become spiritually complacent just think about that sometimes we feel like like not praying anymore maybe the journey has been long maybe you're weary and tired and burnt out and we give up we give up praying we stop inquiring of the lord Complacency can sometimes be thought of as as laziness or apathy, and I'm sure something of that is, is in complacency, but it's much more than that. You see, complacency can actually come whenever we feel like things are going well, whenever there's a sense of like personal success in life or corporate success, things are going well, success, triumph, momentum. Promotion, growth, expansion, all of those things can breed complacency. Complacency can settle in. Things are going really well, so nothing presses us to inquire of the Lord. We're doing all right, so we'll not bother anymore, asking of God. And this is where David's example, ought to inspire us greatly. David's just defeated the Philistines, Mm -hmm. and then the same army comes again for round two. They come back at David and the people, and David again turns his attention to the Lord. I wonder how you would describe your own life right now. Is there any hint of spiritual complacency? Have you allowed complacency to settle in? I wonder, has even your success in life contributed to that? Sometimes when the going is smooth and the wind is in our in our sails and life is going really well. Maybe family feels good, work is good, growth, expansion, promotion, things are good. And slowly complacency creeps in. We start to fall away from inquiring of the Lord. The hard-hitting reality is that spiritual complacency stops us inquiring of the Lord. And spiritual complacency is one of the fastest pathways to spiritual decay and death. See, I love what Alan Hirsch has to say about this. He says this, the, the, the ultimate solution to the problem of spiritual complacency is to create a systematically embedded culture of holy urgency. I love that phrase, holy urgency, holy urgency. See, in every situation we face, a holy urgency will counteract spiritual complacency. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, give us a holy urgency. We're praying, God, and we'll pray again. We're seeking your face, Lord, and we're going to seek it again. We don't want to ever become complacent a holy urgency. The enemy comes again at David and David again in holy urgency inquires of the Lord once more. Whatever it might be in our lives, let's keep inquiring of the Lord. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, don't become complacent. Be on your guard. Go back to the Lord again and again and again. Thirdly and finally, why, why should we inquire of the Lord? We inquire of the Lord because his ways are both best and blessed. Do we believe that in this church? We inquire of the Lord, we ask of God, we seek his face because we know that his ways are best for us. He knows best. He goes before you. He knows the beginning from the end of all things. He knows what's best for you. And His ways are always blessed. There is blessing to be found in the ways of the Lord. As we follow the heart of God, that's where blessing is. Is And so the third mention of David inquiring of the Lord comes in chapter 15. Project return of the ark is on. Remember last week? Do you remember Uzzah? That poor man who made that awful mistake. Project return of the ark is back on in chapter 15. Only this time, David and the people are going to do things right. God's way is going to prevail. Uzzah. I'm sure the people couldn't forget what happened to him. Remember, he he uh, touched the ark as it was being transported. The ark toppled. And Uzzah did what I admitted that I would probably do, a man of quick reflexes and reactions. The ark was toppling off the cart. I probably would have tried to catch the ark. Uzzah does that. He touches the ark and he dies in an instant. Well, David remembers that moment. And in verse 13 of chapter 15, David addresses the people and he says this. He says, it was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. And then he says this, we did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. Big moment of honesty from David. We didn't do it the right way. We got it all wrong. We got it all wrong. It's okay to admit before God that we sometimes get it wrong. Do you ever get it wrong? You're so holy. (laughs) The more I'm around this church, I mean, you guys blow me away. It's just so holy. But there were about six people admitted that they get it wrong. We sometimes get it all wrong. Let's be honest with ourselves before the Lord. This is a moment where David is honest before God and the people. And he says, we did not inquire of him. We did not ask of him. We get carried away in our moment of jubilation and celebration. We get carried away as the ark was coming back. The presence of God, the presence of God back into the center of who we are as the people of God. They got carried away in the moment. We sometimes do. We sometimes get carried away. And David says we didn't inquire of the Lord the way we should have. Verse 14 So the priests and the Levites, here's the response. The priests and the Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord the God of Israel. You see, the inquire of the Lord and admit that we get things wrong should always lead us to repentance. I'm sorry, Lord. And reconsecration. Here's my life again, Lord. I lay myself down before you once again. Verse 15, And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. And what follows is this wonderful moment of proper worship. Worship in spirit and in truth as the people celebrate the presence of God With shouts of praise and with songs of worship, they worship the Lord. You see, this is a simple reminder for us that we're to inquire of the Lord because His ways are best for us. Church family, His ways are best for you, and His ways are where blessing is found. This is the resolved life. We're wanting to equip you, equip each other as a people resolved in the ways of God. This is the resolved life. As we journey on, this is what it looks like to live a life resolved in the presence of God. That we'll be a people who always inquire of Him. Let me invite you to stand. I'm going to pray. Let's stand together. We're going to worship God in a moment. Let's stand. let's just bow our heads before God and, and in the stillness, there's a lot of stuff. Once again, in those passages this morning, somebody commented to me uh, this week, you're taking a lot on there, Stuart, going through First uh, Chronicles. But we're learning, aren't we? Isn't the Lord speaking to us? Isn't the Spirit of God communicating some really important truths to our hearts? We thank God for that. So, in the stillness, let's just bow before God. What is the Lord saying to you this morning? Just think about it. Come before Him. His presence is here. Inquire of the Lord. What's God speaking into your heart? What are you dealing with in life? What's coming at you? Lord God, your presence is here among us. We stand in your holy presence. As we stand in your presence, we come, we always come empty-handed, but alive in your hands. Your living presence is here. And in these moments of response, we approach your throne with confidence. Because we have a great high Priest. Your son, the Lord Jesus, who has gone before us, who makes a way for us to inquire of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we inquire of you because we're totally dependent upon you. Father, in this moment, break any chains of independence, we pray. Anybody in this room or listening online who's trying to do life in their own strength, Separate from you, Lord, break those chains of independence, Lord, and let them lean and trust and surrender in total dependence to you. We inquire of you, God, because we don't ever want to become complacent. And so, Father, break any chains of complacency. We pray that you would bring us to that place of dependence we inquire of you, God, because as we stand before you in your beautiful, holy presence, we acknowledge that your ways are both best for us and your ways are always blessed. Lord, remind us of that. May we celebrate that. May we trust that all over again, that we love and we serve and worship a God who wants our very best and wants us to experience your blessing. So Lord God, lead us in response now as we worship you in song. May we worship you in this place, in spirit and in truth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.